advantage of the day. Right. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Yeah, everybody, welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. It's Schultz with you, the voice of the Chiefs, along with the man we call the shop, the barbershop, the Richmond Spider, 10-year National Football League veteran, community leader and ambassador, Sean Barber, and, of course, Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen. He is the man of the Matt Stat, the human flash drive. All right, we're going to entitle this episode as Monday Night Football Memories and Meaning is this week the Kansas City Chiefs play on the Monday Night Football stage against the New York Football Giants, the G-Men. And um, the Chiefs try to get back on track and get a victory and stay undefeated against the NFC East. Um, this a reminder that the Kingdom, Defending the Kingdom podcast is brought to you by 360 Vodka, Kansas City's hometown vodka, and, of course, the official vodka of the Chiefs Kingdom. Now, before we jump into our Monday Night Football flashback, and you're going to find out a lot about Sean Barber here, and the menace he was on Monday Night Football. But around the world, Monday Night Football with the Chiefs around the world. Around the world. So once again, of course, like we do every single week, we see where people are checking in from around the world. We have a ton this week, Mitch, so bear with me here. Just get comfortable because we have a bunch here. So we have George in North London, Jackson in Cameroon, Africa. Perfect. Susan in Costa Rica. James in the Ukraine. A lot of fans in the Ukraine this year. Well, you know, we've got a lot of Eastern European fans. Yeah. <laughs> was it Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan? Yeah, Moldova. Uzbekistan? Yeah, yeah. Moldova. Just all the former Soviet republics. We're going on a tour, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to get to that here in a moment. Okay. Uh, so Daniel in Germany, Lenny in Dubai, uh, Denny in the Philippines. Uh, so that includes all of our uh, international um, listeners this time around. So what I did was I got a bit creative. I started in London and ended <laughs> in Costa Rica. And I went to all the different locations along the way, um, just on a little calculator, figuring out how many miles we were covering here. 22,558 nautical miles. It's pretty good. It's the magic of the Defending the Kingdom podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Bringing the kingdom to the world. Now, Monday Night Football, this is interesting as you read through our list of worldwide uh, viewers and listeners. Monday Night Football. Now, who's our gal or guy in the Philippines? Uh, Denny. You realize that'll be Tuesday morning football in the <laughs> Philippines. I'm trying to think the international dateline here uh, for our fans in Hawaii and like Guam. Uh, it'll be like Monday afternoon football for those folks. It'll be Tuesday morning football. Yeah. Well, in my concept here, we talk about doing like a road tour. We can get an RV with like James Bond style aquatic functions <laughs> and just, you know, go on the ocean floor and go, go all over the world. I think uh-huh. it'd be great. Maybe next year. I love it. Brought yeah. to you by 365. <laughs> so I love that. Go underground. It'd be a long trip through the Atlantic, though. Yeah, but it's uh, worth it. Yeah, just watch just pop out <laughs> on like the shore of Spain. Like, we just. Putting the hammer down. Yeah, putting the hammer down. Shop will be on the top of it. Uh, we're going to have, obviously, having some fun with this edition of Defending the Kingdom. But when you look at Monday night football, I think for the three of us, and people now have talked about Sunday night football being like the premier evening. Mm-hmm. There is still a mystique of Monday night football. I've been on shows all this week, and they go, hey, is it the same? I said, honestly, when you drive up to the stadium for that game, you feel like it's something special still. So let's jump into our Monday night football. I'm going to bring back some Chiefs moments, um, the impact of those moments in Monday night football at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. But let's just take a shot here and your initial thoughts of Monday night football its meaning, and its memories. Yeah, well, we'll talk about all the memories here as the show goes on, but think about the Chiefs' situation right now. 
We're three and four. Need a spark, right? This isn't the, the start we expected. What better way to get a spark than to have a packed house, the energy, the excitement of GEHA Field, the Arrowhead Stadium, the fans willing us to a victory, hopefully, on Monday Night Football. And we've seen the magic and the incredible moments that have happened uh, here at home over the years on Monday Night Football. Uh, and to have that opportunity here when we really need a spark, we need something to get this team going, because this team feeds off that energy. We know that. Uh, and it's a great opportunity here to get back on track, I think. Shop. Let's go. Let's go. Monday night still have its magic for you. Does Monday night still have its magic Man, for you? Monday night is Monday night, baby. You can't wait for the show. You're the only show in town. As a player, all weekend long, you know, as other, it's 32 teams in the league. Uh, you know, Thursday night is in the middle of the week. People have not really got their football mojo going. And then Sunday hits. And it's just game after game. It's a long day. Then we talked about Sunday night. You know, it's, it's one game. It's premiere. But all the players are still recovering from the game. They're not really watching. But yeah. Monday – that's Victory Monday. That's a day off. That's you gone to work early. Everybody, all your peers, all your friends, all your family, everybody is watching Monday Night Football. That's the best of the best. That's when the stars come out and shine the brightest. And it's happened at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. I got four games. I'm going to touch on one, and then we're going to go around the horn here. But one, it's actually when the aura of Arrowhead started. Um, and GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium considered the loudest stadium in professional sports. We still have the record from the Guinness Book of World Records. But really the birth of all of that was in 1991 on Monday Night Football. Now, the Buffalo Bills were the deal. Remember, they went to four straight Super Bowls. Yeah. This was the first of for them. It had been 93, 92, 91, 90. This was going to be their second run of a four-year time going to the Super Bowl. Jim Kelly was the deal. They were running the no-huddle offense before anybody was doing it. And they got obliterated at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. They couldn't hear the calls. Oh, they're going to run on. That's when, like, the silent count, let's lift the leg or whatever. When you look at this game, it was October the 7th, 1991. First of all, by the way, everybody remembers the touchdown catch by Pete Holahan of the Chiefs. Like, Pete Holahan. Like, he played in the league 12 years, one year with the Chiefs, had two touchdowns. This was one of them. But they do remember the four sacks by the late Derek Thomas. Yes. They do remember two sacks by Bill Moss. Neil Smith just tormenting Jim Kelly, and the stadium was so loud that night. It's really never been the same since then. And what we love and know about being loud, you talk about the crowd having an effect on Monday night's game against the Giants, really started on a Monday night football game back in 1991. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think about uh, when Kansas City became Kansas City in terms of a football town. I always think about uh, the Broncos game where John Elway couldn't hear. But what you're talking about, that truly was the birth of it. And what I love about being a Chiefs fan and the culture in Kansas City is that it's a learned thing. So I wasn't alive in 1991, but when I went to my first Chiefs game in 2003, I believe, I knew that I was supposed to be loud the entire time. Like <laughs> I knew that. That's what you do as a Chiefs fan, right? And that's because it was taught behavior. And I think it's cool that that's passed down through the generations here in Kansas City. It's just part of who we are. And you're right. It began back then in 1991 on Monday Night Football. It started that night. So Monday Night Football memory also had a meaning that still continues to this day three decades later. Now, you did some research we, you know, I've been in the shop. We're going to chop these up. Yeah. Okay. Let's, All right. And let's chop it up uh, with shop and chop these games up. Oh, my gosh. In your career, shop. Your Monday night football performances were some of your best. Matt, you found some gold here. So Shop texted me a while back, and he said, can you help me find out what games I played on Monday night football? And I was like, yeah, let's find out. So I spent a, about an hour figuring this stuff out. And 
we decided that Shop is Mr. Monday Night Football. <laughs> That's who he is. He's Mr. Monday Night. There's a couple games here. So uh, when he was with the Washington football team back in 2001, it was September 24th, 2001, he had 12 tackles, nine solo, and two tackles for loss. I'm not going to mention the part where the football team lost 37 to nothing. <laughs> but Shop had a great game. That's not a factor. It's this 12 tackles. Yeah. What do you remember about that game, Shop? Man, I, met, I remember making a lot of tackles. <laughs> I, uh, obviously, the score, I was, I'm a little punch drunk for the score. I, I didn't think I was hell scoreless. You know what? When I look back at my season, I don't remember our team being held without a, a point. And so I was, I was a little bit astonished myself to see that 37-0. But then I realized Green Bay Packers, it was probably Brett Favre. Yep. That team was going to the Super Bowl every other year. Yeah, they probably came uh, at Green Bay. They lit it up on us. We, we, we went to Green Bay. We went to Lambeau Field, and we got our butts kicked. And we realized that era of Lambeau Field. We understood when we were leaving what that was all about. But I think I got I got the best of a lot of guys on the field. Obviously, with the with the twelve tackles, uh, I let them know that you know barbershop was well, ain't gonna take nothing from nobody. Now, of course, he did have another good game where the his team won, and this was with the Chiefs in two thousand three. Great year, started right. nine and zero that year. Uh, this was October twentieth of two thousand and three, so week seven. So that's part of the nine and zero start. Uh, the Chiefs won this game over the Oakland Raiders at the Black Hole, seventeen to ten. You had uh, eight solo tackles, nine total. Uh, and two sacks in that game. I believe it would have been Rich Gannon, right? Yes, it would have been Rich Gannon in 01. Or this is 03. Oh, this is 03. Yeah, it yeah. would have been Rich Gannon because yeah. they were just coming off the Super Bowl in 02. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Two sacks helped the Chiefs get a big victory over Rich Gannon and the Oakland Raiders. Rich Gannon also had his career kind of ended by shop. Did it not almost? Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, we call it a weak Willie Lime Black. Willie linebacker blitz off the uh, edge. And we had, a, we had a system where me and the other linebacker could go you or I, me or you. One of us going to come, one of us drops. And so what we used to do is wait for the protection to be set. And then when they slide the protection to the wrong person, me and him go, we switch it up on them, and then the other guy comes. So we had the protection set to the left side. They thought they had it slid left, and right before the end, we called a switcheroo on them. I came off that right edge, blind side, tight end, never checked in. He went ahead and released. It was too late. I got all up on this show to hit him. I think that was the last actual th- – Pass thrown by Gannon. I think he had to have some kind of a surgery on his shoulder. And he came back the next season but never completed a pass. Yeah. So you're thinking, hey, pick that other protection. Pick him up so I can go. But let's talk about your Monday night experiences because you mentioned how special it is. But let's just take those two games and what you remember of it, getting ready to play those games. Uh, and then sitting there, I mean, you're taping up. You've gone through warm-ups. And you're like, this is Monday night football. Let's just go back in time and relive that because – I do think Monday Night Football has a special place. Oh, it always does. And what I would say about the the atmosphere and the attitude you have on Monday night is, is it is unlike any other day of the week. Because even on Thursday, you you try you try to deny it, but you are concerned about your conditioning. You're like, man, we just had a game on Sunday, short week. Hopefully, we don't change a lot of things on defense. We just keep things going. We're gonna try to be more physical than the offense. We're gonna out hit them, out punch them, be more aggressive, and hopefully get out of here with a win. Right on a short week. Mm-hmm. Sunday games, it's the normal. Right, noon, three o'clock. You're used to those. And even when you play Sunday night, because there's other games on, it takes your focus away. You're still kind of cheating, looking at other games being played, who else in your division, who's winning, who's losing, until about four hours before the game time, and then you're getting your mind right. You're getting taped up. But on Monday, nothing all day, right? 
just a just a peace of mind of knowing sometime around 7 p.m. Central, you about to go out there and kick the ball off and kick somebody's butt. <laughs> and so all day long, you, you have nothing on your mind but your checks, the adjustments, right, the, 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 the shifts, the motions. How are you going to uh, – when they go uh, spread, are we going to blitz it? If they go to t- t- uh, round those three tight ends, goal line, what are we going to do? All the adjustments is constantly flow through your mind all day long. And so you talk about a game that you're actually prepared – Ultimately, the most you've ever been on any game during the week, it's Monday night football. And it's like sometimes it never gets here. It'll be like <laughs> 9 o'clock Monday morning. You go, man, mm. when is this game going to get here? And you being on the center stage on Monday night, you knew you had to be those guys you played against in college, like some Villanova guy or Maine guy. <laughs> or, like, dude, that's barbershop. Like barbershops out there <laughs> playing for the Washington football team of the Chiefs or the Eagles. A second Monday night football memory for the Chiefs and had meaning was a walk-off punt return by Tamarik Vanover. It was in 1995 against the Chargers. Now, let's keep in mind, the Chargers were good then. They had just gone to the Super Bowl the year before and lost to the 49ers. They're rolling into the next season. Ronnie Harmon, I mean, there's some good dudes. And they go to overtime, and they punt to Tamarik Vanover, who runs it into the end zone from 86 yards out for a walk-off Monday night football punt return. Now, personally... This was my second year in my brief 28 years as being the voice of the Chiefs. You won't hear that call. Mm. You hear Vanover angling to his left. and Because ah, ah, Dan Israel, our incredible executive producer, was trying to fix the sound. He was trying to mix the sound, and this was so loud. Think, <laughs> think of this, like the, one of the loudest moments ever in Chiefs history. He pots me down. Mm. Wow. So it's just... Drowned you out. Just drown me out. <laughs> like, they go... And so people to this day have said it's, the crowd was so loud you couldn't even hear the play-by-play announcer. Well, a little more to that story. But the point is that led to a 13-3 and season. These, are, these games were in October now. These weren't in December. And that led to a season, really the best Chiefs season in the regular season they had since the Super Bowl year of 1970. So, again, another walk-off 86-yard punt return on Monday Night Football. And that's a good example of the spark that we're looking for here, right? Because that was a spark kind of game that helped really get that season going back then in 1995. I was a brisk two years old uh, when that game occurred, so can't say I recall it. But uh, I understand the vibe because football hasn't changed a whole lot in terms of momentum since then. And that's what we need here in this game. So that's why I wouldn't mind seeing a a big explosive Tyreek Hill play here in this one to really get people going, get our mojo back, uh, just like that happened back for Vanover and that 95 team. Yeah, maybe, maybe a Hardman punt return or a Pringle kickoff return. And the memory that that brings up to me is how important all three phases are. Because yeah. we always talk about offense and defense, offense and defense, right? right. How, how important it is for the offense to go score and defense to keep them scoring. But the change of the field position, the, those big gaps of, of, of yardage is ate up by special teams. And when I had a chance to play during the league, I mean, I took so much pride in special teams play. We called it being the tip of the spear. Tip of the spear is something that's going to be the first thing that you feel, and then it should be the last thing that really uh, ends your day when it comes to, um, 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 to all three phases playing together. And that's what we're really looking for. We're looking for a complete game from the Kansas City Chiefs team to play offensively, defensively, and special teams all at a high level. That's an excellent point because when you think when the Chiefs are playing their best football, it's when they're putting pressure on the opponent in every way, shape, or form. Mm. Think of the end of Super Bowl 54. San Francisco felt pressure from the Chiefs' defense, from the offense, and from special teams. Those two kickoff team coverage plays, one by Pringle and one by Neiman, are way well off forgotten. But special teams, when the Chiefs are at their best and to get cranked up again this season to get it turned around, Matt, I have a feeling, Kashop's got a great point here, 
apply, shift the pressure to the opponent. To me, it feels like the Chiefs have felt the pressure um, all year. Yeah. When is the opponent just shift it? You shift it and take the hammer, turn the cannon on the opponent here. And I think this Monday night game might be the week they can try that, start it. Yeah, ever since Coach Reed got here, even before the Patrick Mahomes era began, and particularly once that got started, uh, it's always been about putting pressure on the opponent where the Chiefs do not uh, commit things that are going to hurt themselves. They basically play perfect football and force the opponent into mistakes. And the opponent all of a sudden feels like they have to play perfect football, and that's difficult to do. And they get in their own head, they cause uh, create mistakes, and all of a sudden they're, they're losing the football game. That's been the Chiefs' mantra for years. It really hasn't been that way so far this year, save for maybe the Cleveland game. And we need to get back to that, playing well in all three phases, playing opportunistic football, and waiting for the opponent to make mistakes, not us making the mistakes. That's why the turnovers this season have been so uncharacteristic of this team, and we're kind of wondering, like, this isn't Chiefs football, we're not used to seeing this, and it's the kind of the same guys that we've had over the years, that's why it's so strange. Uh, but that also gives me confidence that they can figure it out, because it is only October, and these are the kind of mistakes that this team just doesn't make. And yeah, great opportunity here against the Giants to put our foot down and say, wait, let's start playing Chiefs football again because we know Chiefs football works and we know that these guys can play Chiefs football. Just need to get back to that. Yeah, you can sense it where you're you, – here's my point. You're either Wiley the Coyote or you're the Roadrunner, right? <laughs> now, who feels the pressure? Wiley Coyote. He's like, I think I got him, but there's somewhere there's an anvil over my head or some box of Acme Dynamite ready to blow up. The Roadrunner's confident. He's, he's always going to take the pressure to, to Wiley the Coyote. So – I say that flippantly, but honestly, if this team can figure out a way, Shop, to shift the pressure in all three phases, now you're thinking they might block our punt, meaning the opponent, or they might return it, mm -hmm. or, hey, they might go, they're not going to turn it over in a 14-play drive and get a touchdown. And the defense, instead of being maybe on its heels, has a little more roadrunner and a little less Wiley Coyote. Always. And it's as uh, effective as our offense has been throughout the Andy Reid um, era here. Because we can score three or seven, almost 80% of our possessions, when we turn the ball over, it's not just a missing of a three-point or seven points. Because then on, when they score, that's, almost, that's a 10 or 14-point swing. Yeah. Every turnover becomes almost a 10 or 14-point swing. And when you let, think about that when it comes to the end of the game, and it's a one possession. You know, Pat has been amazing in these one possession games his entire career. But there's not many chances, uh, not many uh, games that you look back and say we were out of it at the end. But when you make these vast pendulum swings from momentum and talk about uh, sudden change, it's so hard for a defense to wrap their mind around that. And Andy and his, whoever has been the defense coordinator here has been so great of training these guys to realize, like you're saying, put the pressure on them. Make them feel the pressure. We're going to go out and just play our style of ball. And all we got to do is get back to that. And I think that's one thing I, you, you hear it on the sideline, just be who we are. Let's continue to be who we are, have confidence, play with a lot of swagger, a lot of ego. But you don't – no one has to put on a Superman cape. There is no, no savior coming into town. Stop looking for uh, the waiver wire. There is nobody coming to the kingdom to save us. We, we are – we got who we need to go win because that's all we ever need. Guys got to just start playing like they know they can play and stop be, be having so much pressure on themselves to be, to be perfect. Go out there and play your, your, play your game. And I have one point to add to that, talking about the Chiefs' offense here specifically. So including last week's game against Tennessee where the offense scored three points, right, very uncharacteristic of this team, just three points. The offense this season still ranks eighth in points per game, fourth in yards per play, 
second in passing yards, second in plays of 10 or more yards, and leads the league in first downs, third down conversion rate, and 10 play drives. That is all while also turning the ball over on 25% of possessions. So if they can just cut that down, get back to Chiefs football, where they're not turning the ball over three, four times a game, the offense is going to take off, and you're going to see the defense playing with more confidence because of that, and this team's going to find some success. If you look at completion percentage, yards per play, the Chiefs are still where they've been even better in some circumstances, but you're right. The turnovers just negate all that. Do they still have like STP motor oil? Do they still have that? <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere. In some town, some small town. That was a big deal, man. On Route 66 someplace, right? Route 66, like in Galena, Kansas, Route 66, <laughs> uh, there is an STP motor oil there. And the reason I say that is STP, shift the pressure. We may have to have a whole Chiefs Kingdom show on that, or in Defending the Kingdom show on shift the pressure STP. Here's the third Monday night game that comes to mind. And it shows you the Monday night magic sometimes of GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. 2011, the Chargers are good. They're good again. Here they are. Remember, they just played in the AFC Championship game. Rivers is kind of on fire. He's winning everybody's fantasy league. They're driving down. They're in prime position to win the game-winning field goal. All they need to do is kneel down. It's the kneel down victory formation. They fumble the center to quarterback exchange. They fumble it. Now, it wasn't Herm Edwards' miracle in the Meadowland, but it was Studebaker's moment. He jumps on the ball, gets a turnover. The Chiefs in overtime then go down and win it on a Ryan Suckup field goal. But that was a night I know fans, and there's some of you are listening to this podcast, and you know who you are, and watching it that left the stadium, going, this is dead, this is over. And then they hear the roar of the crowd, and they go, oh, my gosh, I missed it. But there are some magical things that happen, some weird things on Monday Night Football. Uh, and that was Halloween night, by yeah. the way, 2011. And the three words that came out of Philip Rivers' mouth as the camera was on him was worst night ever. Worst night ever. And I can finally add some commentary on this game because not only was I alive, You're I alive. was there. <laughs> I was there. Uh, and I'll also add with that. With your current wife or with those girlfriends you would Oh, this is way before any of that. Okay. I was a, sing a single guy, sophomore okay. in college, I think, okay. and drove to the game uh, because the Chiefs were trying to make a run. We started off slow. Yep. We were trying to make a run uh, and it was a big Monday night football game. And I'll add, too, that uh, Lenny Dawson did a little promo for ESPN uh, that was awesome in that game. It's hard to find, but if you find it on YouTube, it was really awesome. Got me fired up after the fact, after the Chiefs won that game. But what I remember about that game is I was one of the fans that stayed, and I was way up in the upper deck because that, those were, like, my people. Like, I'd always be up in the <laughs> upper deck. I loved it up there. And, uh, yeah, the Chargers are driving down the field. It feels hopeless because they're in field goal range. Uh, they'd been running the ball, and all they had to do was kneel it and kick a field goal, and they'd win the game. And all this momentum that we felt like we were trying to build and come back from the early struggles in the season, uh, it felt like it was over. But I just kept being loud. I remember this distinctly because I kept doing the thing where I'm just like, oh, you know, trying to scream and yell because what else am I going to do, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to have my impact here because – I want to see the Chiefs win, and they're, they're trying their best, and it's not working out. And every, the people that are still there are trying to be loud, myself included. Uh, Phillip Rivers fumbles the football. Studebaker comes out with it. He can't even believe it, and the Chiefs win that game. It was one of my favorite uh, memories from uh, going to a game here at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. It was awesome. And shop, leave it to a linebacker. Leave it to Studebaker, <laughs> who's a friend of yours, to come out of that pile with the ball. Man, Andy is the man. If, he's, if anything about Andy is the way he played um, – emphasized, and it was a, a true um, appreciation of the game. He appreciated every single moment on that field, yeah. every snap, 
It didn't matter if it was practice in the game. It wasn't a matter of video games. He was an ultimate competitor in everything he did. And that's why he's been successful beyond the field in life. But you have a, enough guys in the, in the ball club right now with that same mentality. Just keep fighting, keep clawing, keep scratching. Do not continue to look at the scoreboard. Don't look at the time on the scoreboard, how much left. Don't pay attention to the percentages, what the uh, naysayers say, uh, 0% trying to win a game when you, all they got to do is kneel it. As long as they have to snap the ball, as long as that ball has to be snapped, you have a chance and an opportunity to create a big play at a big moment in big time and change the course of history. That game, no one thought, except for guys <laughs> like Matt, in the who, stand, who are delusional, 300 level, <laughs> still cheering his brains out. He would, he didn't, he didn't care if he was going to be hoarse the whole week. No. He wanted to feel impact and emotion. He wanted those guys on the field, those 11 players, to feel his presence, and they did. And not only did they, that center felt it. That center quarterback exchange felt Matt McMullen up in the 300. <laughs> and they got a little shaky. And it snapped. It went to the right a little bit and it missed the quarterback. It fans. was me. It, you had a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, that's the relationship that players and fans have. And that's why it's so important. When you talk about, you know, now in the 2021 season, is it is it worth going to the game? You know, TVs, the, the way TVs look is so good. You can sit at home and have your own food and being comfortable. Forget all that. Yeah. If you want to be a part of the environment, if you really want to be a fan and come to the game and see what the players are going through, you got to be in the stadium. You got to be here to be a part of it. And it's a special moment every time, right, GEHA Field here at Arrowhead, man. When you got to be a part of it, you got to be in the stadium to be a part of it. It's an amazing feeling as a player. And now beyond the player as a fan going to the game and be able to watch, man, I feel that emotion. I feel that excitement. I feel each and every one of those 100,000 fans here at Arrowhead Stadium, man. And it's amazing. Amazing. And for those of you who can't make it, you're watching and listening in Uzbekistan or <laughs> <Yeah>. the Philippines <laughs> or Dubai, just go ahead and just yell, man. Just yell because we'll feel the vibe yes, will. here at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. And then after you're arrested by the authorities, uh, let us know how it goes. But, you know, no, yell for it and feel <laughs> that vibe. But we talk about magic. Now, we know Shop had 10 games on Monday Night Football in his 10-year career. His record in those 10 games? How many wins? Eight and two. Eight and two. Mr. Monday You're Night. Eight, eight wins two. on Monday Night Football. Yeah, wow. man. That's pretty good. That's a good percent. That's 80, 80%? In yeah. sports, I think 80% is pretty good in everything, right? <laughs> pretty good. Well, you went to Richmond. Eight out of ten. Yeah. That's easy, man. Well, you bounced but, back big time from the 37 nothing loss. Yeah, and feel like I, you know, that was the tough one. Yeah. The, the early one we counted, it was one we didn't count because I was inactive my yeah. rookie year with the Red, with the Washington football team. But all the other ones, man, I think I had a significant part in those games. And I'm telling you, when, when the question came up, I went blank because I was like, man, a game is a game to me as I was playing. So yeah. you're asking me to remember. My, I didn't know what, but what game we played, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. didn't care to me. It was just a ball game. And when you looked it up and showed me the spreadsheet and we started to you know, let you t tabulate it up and how you, you do your mat thing and make it all look good for me. And I started looking at those wins, wins, wins. I'm like, I won a lot of ball pretty games good. on Monday night. I was pretty good at football. I was pretty good on Monday <laughs> night, man. Mr. Monday night, man. That's That might be my, my alter ego. Tonight at dinner with your beautiful wife, go, babe, did you know how good I was on Monday night? <laughs> <laughs> ten bucks if you do that. I'll give you ten bucks. All right. Another Monday night game because this uh, defending the kingdom podcast dealing with Monday night memories and meaning because these games have all gone on to mean something uh, for the most part. 
in the 2014 game against the Patriots. Now, remember, the Patriots were almost unbeatable at this yeah. time. Uh, it, they're just going to roll through everybody. Uh, they're a machine. They've been the machine since 01. This is the 14th season, 13th year. They come into Arrowhead Stadium, and Tom Brady had one of his worst nights ever as a pro. I went back and watched some of the video of that game. Oh, my gosh, the Chiefs were all over Tom Brady in this game. It was a big night for Jamal Charles. Yeah. And honestly, it was the night that maybe – here's the meaning of Monday Night Football, where Travis Kelsey became Travis Kelsey. He did not play in 2013. He only had like a snap, one game. And I remember in that 14th season, he had a good game in a three-tight end set against Miami. But it was this game. And when you hear the commentators talking about it, they're like, Kelsey is going to have a great career. <laughs> they were prophesying. But it was that Monday night at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium that Tom Brady got obliterated by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Hussein Abdullah had the pick six, yep. I believe. And, yep. yeah, it was awesome. Tom Brady got benched in that game for Jimmy Garoppolo, and it feels like forever ago. And Tom Bahali had a tomahawk. He got it out. Yeah. Uh, he was great in this game. They couldn't block Tom Bahali. The game was awesome, and we talked about it a few days ago. It was also the same weekend that the Royals had the wild card game against the Oakland A's. So just a great sports weekend in Kansas City. I'll never and forget that. And the Royals that. were there that night. Yeah. I think Salvi and Ned Yost, they were down on the sideline yucking it up. Yeah. And then the next night they go on to – Go on their best two years ever. Yeah, yeah. Just an awesome, awesome night uh, here at home. And uh, I'll never forget it. There's some interesting parallels we can learn from that game as well, I think. Because you're right, the Patriots were the boogeyman back then. I mean, you could not beat them. And whenever we played the Patriots, whenever any team played the Patriots, it was like the Super Bowl. It was like, we got to beat the Patriots. It was kind of that way playing the Seahawks for a while, too. Like, we got to beat this team because they are the standard. And we're kind of seeing that from the other side now. We're seeing that from teams like the Titans, seeing like that from teams um, like the Chargers, like the Ravens. Like, it's they're pouring everything they have into these games. And we're kind of learning how we need to match that energy as a football team. But what we can learn from that game is that the Patriots lost. It was 41-14, to 14, I think, something like that. 14, they got yeah. absolutely obliterated, and all the national media pundits were saying, the Patriots are done. The dynasty's <laughs> over. They're done. And they've won, like, three Super Bowls since then. So yeah. just saying that really great teams can just get uh, clocked sometimes, but how do you learn from it? The Patriots learned from that game. They won the Super Bowl that year, uh, and that, in my mind, gives me confidence the Chiefs can do the same thing. And the national pundits this week have – called the ending of the Chiefs kingdom. Like, they, they think that they, we're going to cease operations. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard like these, like, they're done. Like, ha, 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 see? Yeah, that was a flame out real quick. But your point's a good one. That was a blip on the screen for the Patriots, but they just kept right on charging yeah. uh, as long as Tom Brady was there, and that's a little bit different for him. But, Shop, uh, again, a game like that where uh, you just you, you take on the best that the league has on a Monday night football game and you wipe them out. So let's transition here a little bit about this game again. We kind of alluded to it, but this New York Giants game where the Chiefs can figure this out, turn it, get the ship in full throttle, and head to the open seas. We, we, we said it earlier, it's turnovers, right? Turnovers are um, they're contagious, and they also are seasonal, right? It's just a moment in time when, when, when turnovers happen. And so I say turnovers are kind of like a flu. It, it, they're, they're, they're contagious in their season. That's, that's how it is. And one of the coaches, Andy Reid, is really good at giving the flu shot. He knows how to put a shot in the arm of the guys. He knows that it's the way they practice, the way they go about their day-to-day that prepares them all off-season and for during the, the week for any opportunity that comes up. And one thing everybody knows about Coach Andy Reid is that he doesn't press the panic button. I don't even think he has a panic button. There isn't there, – like, there's no nothing in his DNA that ever panics about what's going on. He's seen more football than I've forgotten about. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's seen more football than most of us even knew um, there was in that, um, that archive out there in uh, uh, Mount Vernon, New Jersey with the N- NFL films. Uh, that He probably has a little version of that in his basement somewhere. He just puts on that reel and starts watching football for, 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 for hours and hours. But um, Coach Andy is the epitome of what you call um, how to write the ship. Staying calm in the middle of the storm, allowing everybody to see in his calmness what they need to do. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta emulate some of that. And I, and I think as players, we get a little excited, we get emotional, we want to get a little rah rah on the sideline. And man, forget all that. Go back, back to the fundamentals. This team is fundamentally sound. They got the skill at all the positions um, needed to go win ball games. Everybody just has to do their job, um, and then do what you're being coached to do. You don't have to do any more, any less. Get first down, first down, touchdowns. Mm. Drive ends, and you're in field goal range, we'll take the points. We ain't got to recreate the wheel. We ain't got to be nobody else. Being the Kansas City Chiefs has always been a good, good enough, and it will always be good enough to win a high amount of ball games um, in the NFL. And it will get us to the playoffs. And we will crescendo. We will, we will rise at the summit. We'll be at the top of the mountain playing our best ball when we need to be. That's at the end of the season, preparing to go somewhere or play here in the playoffs, and no one will want to play the Kansas City Chiefs when we get things going the right way. Matt, your final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I love that entire mindset. And I, I heard what you had to say on the radio a few days ago about how this team is not getting caught up in playoff scenarios and a losing record and looking forward to other games down the road. They're not doing that. It's a one-game season right now. And that's not just because we're 3-4. and four. It's that way all the time. Yes, it and is. it might not seem that way on the outside, but that's how Coach Reed's always approached every game. It's it's a one-game season. You need a 1-0 and mentality, and we need that mentality more than ever right now. And the beauty of this team is that they have the culture and the experience and the resolve to win football games. We've seen it time and time again against immense adversity, more so than this. Yes. And Coach Reed has dealt with these kind of things throughout his career. Think about 2015. This team starts 1-5. and five. They win uh, every game the rest of the way and win a playoff game. First playoff game this team has won uh, in 20 years. Uh, think about even 2017. They start super hot, but then have a stretch where they lose, I believe, like 5 of 6. Including the Giants 12-9. to nine. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't get a touchdown, I think. Yeah, they lose to teams that, on paper, they were better than. These things happen sometimes. It's all about how do you respond to it? How do you react to it? And what do you learn from it? And once again, the beauty of this team is that we have the coaches and the players that have been through this kind of thing before, and they know how to answer it. They know how to respond to it. And just look at Twitter. I mean, I love seeing this from Patrick Mahomes uh, on Tuesday. He tweeted out, I'm ready to get to work, hashtag Chiefs Kingdom. And then Travis Kelsey quote tweeted it. Let's do this. McCole Harbin quote tweeted it. Let's do this. Like, the team is ready for this. They know that they're better than this, and they can't wait to show the team that they are. They have fire, and they're the ultimate competitors. And this team is never going to give up. And that's why I know they're going to find success, and it begins this weekend against the Giants. Three things here as we close. First of all, four things. Shop was 8-2 and two on Monday Night Football. That's pretty rich, I'm saying. Just saying. Two, uh, the fact that Monday Night Football can be very special, and this podcast has been brought to you by 360 Vodka. That's part of three. Two is I'm going to go to an auto parts store, and I'm going to find STP Motor Oil. And that's because STP now means shift the pressure. I like Because in every one of these Monday night minute things we talked about, these four games, in your recollection, the opponent felt the pressure from the Chiefs yes. at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. And finally, I'll leave you with a question. Are you Wiley Coyote? Are you the Roadrunner? Thanks for joining us on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.